This week on the Rail Splitter podcast, we are discussing the 2013 National Geographic documentary Killing Lincoln, and we have a guest that will be joining us in our discussion. Welcome to the Rail Splitter Podcast, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mary, and joining me this week is Rail Splitter Nick. What's going on, everybody? Hopefully you're surviving the frigid temperatures. And while Rail Splitter Jeremy is not here in person, he is most definitely here in spirit with us tonight, too. Um, and we also have a returning guest, Dave Taylor, who has joined us for previous episodes about the Lincoln assassination. So welcome back, Dave. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here again. Oh, you're very welcome. Like We really appreciate you being back here. So, Is this um, your third or fourth episode you've been on now? I think third, because we just talked so much the first one. That's how I got a second episode out of it. Yeah. So I'm planning to talk too much tonight, too. That's oh, that's fine. That's fine. So you're a rail splitter record holder. Yes. I think it's the only person we've had on three times. Yes. Yeah. So now he is officially Rail Splitter Dave. Sweet. Yeah. There we go. Yes. I, I, I will use the, the title as carefully and I will wield only minimum power. Yes. <laughs> um, I try to wield it for maximum power. Okay. A lot you, of you earned that. You and Mary earned that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, so the first thing I want to do, actually, is I'd like to give a shout out to all of our new followers on Twitter and Facebook. We got quite a few over the weekend. So um, hopefully those new followers are listening to this episode and make sure you get caught up on all our episodes. Um, so thank you for joining us. Um, so. I agree, because when it shows up on my phone, it's like you got a new follower. But since I have both my accounts kind of linked together, you know, I always just pretend it's me, my own personal, <laughs> personal one. account. Which I never think it is. But whenever it pops up, I'm like, oh, who's this person? And then I'm like, dang it, it's a rail splitter. But then I'm like, wait, no, this is good. But anyways, Icky Tangy, follow me. I don't really ever follow say Follow Nick anything. on Twitter. He's really exciting. <laughs> um, so welcome back, Dave. Um, Dave is known as Boothy Barn on Twitter. And you can also check out the blog that he has with his wife, Kate. Um, and it's boothybarn.com. So, Dave, you've joined us before, but um, we do have some new listeners since then. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and also if there's anything new going on in um, the world of the Lincoln assassination regarding research? Absolutely. Yeah, my name is uh, Dave Taylor. By day, I'm an elementary school teacher here in Maryland. Um, I teach second grade, but uh, for quite a long time now, my real passion has been studying Abraham Lincoln's assassination, which is kind of a dark period of history. But um, I feel like it's one that sometimes gets shoved under the rug in Lincoln studies because it's the sad ending and no one wants to talk about it. But I've always kind of been curious about what led to Lincoln's death. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've got a, a website that's a little quieter now, uh, mainly because I'm finally going to get my master's degree. So I've been taking classes and it's taken away a lot of my research time that I used to do. But I'm going to, there's part of me that always wants to be a real historian. So I, I am getting a master's in American history. So working on that. So I'm excited to be back with you guys. I, you know, love talking about the Lincoln assassination and educating people. Oh, congratulations on the masters and good luck yeah, with that. That's I awesome. just started. I started, you know, you got to start easy. It's online. And I started with the one on the American civil war. I'm like, all right, that could be my first class. Easy. A. am taking a page out of Nick's book. 
Um, <laughs> and then my next one is going to be on Frederick Douglass, which I'm also excited to learn more about. Awesome. Have you read the new book about him by chance? He, um, David Blight is actually the teacher. Um, he's going to be um, doing it. Um, it's through the Gilder Lerman Institute of American History, and they mm-hmm. have like real notable experts in the field teaching these different classes. So he is actually the one who is teaching this class. Oh, that's awesome. So I haven't read the book yet. I have it. It's my stack of books yeah. and it's really big, but I, I'm looking forward to it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Wow. Very Jealous. Cool. It takes a lot of work. Well, it's th- it, Nick, it's for, um, do you have, I don't know if you have a master's, you probably do in something else, but actually they, I do not. I'm a bachelor's plus zero. Nice. Um, and I get made fun of all the time at the school. Yeah, me so. too. But it's actually you, it's for teachers specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just started this little thing and the, the classes are pretty reasonable. So I just started the beginning of this you know, school year in, in August was my first class. And so, but you know, you might want to look into it cause it is, I mean, I don't know if you want a degree in American history, but it's, it's pretty easy and it's all, you know, made for teachers. So it's a lot, very convenient. Easy, convenient. Hey, I'm, I almost might as well. That, Cheap that too. is yeah. Nick's <laughs> model <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that Jeremy is gone, and yet Nick still gets taken down to pay. It's okay. It's okay. The, ban- the banter's kind of been amped up, but that's always the real splitter way. Got it. It's laid back, very laid back recordings and stuff. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, why don't we jump right into this? Uh, so we are discussing the National Geographic documentary that aired on February the 17th, 2013. Um, actually had 3.4 million viewers and was one of National Geographic's highest rated television productions. It was written by Eric Jenderson, who was one of the writers on Band of Brothers, which have you, have you two watched that show? Oh yeah. Great. Yeah. It's, it's excellent. And it was directed by Adrian Moat, who I was reading a bit about him last night. He did a 2011 documentary about Gettysburg that I've never seen before, but now I'm kind of intrigued because I enjoyed killing Lincoln so much that but, well, I should try and find his 2011 documentary he did about Gettysburg. Um, so it had a variety of producers on it, two of them being Tony Scott and Ridley Scott. Unfortunately, Tony Scott died before the, the film, before Killing Lincoln was released, so the documentary is actually dedicated to him. Um, so the one thing that we do want to get out of the way first is that this documentary has the same title as a book written by Bill O'Reilly. And... Yes, Bill O'Reilly is listed uh, in the credits and on the Blu-ray, which I own. It says, based on the best-selling book by Bill O'Reilly and Martin Dugard. But I can tell you, as someone who's read the Bill O'Reilly book and seen this documentary countless times, that the two are nothing alike. And I think Bill O'Reilly's involvement was not very much in this at all. Very minimal. Yeah, and um, I, you know, I watched the uh, the documentary again recently just to remind myself of it because it, yeah, it's been a few years, and um, I've actually met Eric Jenderson, who uh, who was the writer really of this documentary. He um, came and spoke at one of the um, Surratt House conferences, so there's an annual conference on the Lincoln assassination here in Southern Maryland. And Eric came one year, and he uh, and he and he spoke, and he spoke about really how he wrote this documentary, and it was had a nice Q and A. And even if you listen to the um, the audio commentary on Killing Lincoln by Eric, he talks about how it was based on the book Killing Lincoln only so much that Killing Lincoln was the inspiration. And I think he says the inspiration as a jumping off point to tell the truth, which I think was a very weird way of saying that the book clearly didn't tell the truth. And so he was going to do it better. 
Um, and so Bill O'Reilly's name is on it, of course, because they know he had the name power and they wanted to sell it. Um, but really, they didn't use any of his material from Killing Lincoln to make the documentary. Um, Eric was he worked really hard to contact people who actually knew about the Lincoln assassination, people who were experts in the field. He contacted the Surratt Society, a lot of um, people who have written books and really get really good research. And that is really what Killing Lincoln is. Um, so it really has pretty much nothing to do with Bill O'Reilly other than his name. And that is very good to know. And that's the one thing that I always tell people because I will say like, oh, have you seen this? No, it's connected to Bill O'Reilly. No. Yeah. I mean, that scares people away from it, which it I, I, it's it's a sad thing because it, I think it the documentary is a, it's a very unique format. And um, as opposed to like, you know, general History Channel documentaries where you have the talking heads of the experts and then the really poorly acted out reenactments going on behind or, you know, pretending like, oh, and here I am. And there's Lincoln and Six Emperor Tyrannus and a really big fake mustache. Um they did a more unique way where they have, you know, Tom Hanks as kind of the talking head, but he's just giving the exposition to really continue the story along. We know Tom Hanks isn't a historian, but he's a very trustworthy guy and he can tell the story while they are still acting it out. So it's a perfect blend of documentary and an actual, you know, like period drama. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. And for 90 minutes, they cover so much. A lot. When was this released? 2013? Yeah, or am 20, I way off? 20, 2013, February 17, 2013 was when it premiered on uh, National Geographic. Is this pre-O'Reilly? Uh, Getting band? canned? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they regret attaching his name now because, like we're saying, now you hear Bill O'Reilly attached to it, it turns a lot of people away. Or is that just more of the historian nerds that have turned away? But the general public still turned on to it. I, I, I think it's more the the history nerds that are turned away because the way I got this was for my birthday about, I think it would be about five years ago now that um, that my husband, uh, Jer, went down. It was this like little convenience store where he found it in this like bargain bin, which kind of, and I was like, he gave it to me. I'm like, uh, I'm like, it says Bill O'Reilly. And he's like, oh, that guy from, he was on Fox yeah. news yeah. yeah and i said i'm like uh he's like i don't know how the good worst. this will be he's the worst. <laughs> yeah and he's like no 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 let's give it a try and then he said he's like it's got billy campbell in it and i was kind of like who the hell's billy campbell and, he's, <laughs> and he said the rocketeer don't you remember the rocketeer and i'm like vaguely so then he's abraham lincoln abraham yeah, lincoln like, is and rocketeer and i'm like okay so was he mad that you didn't know who the Rocketeer was? Because uh, the way you tell him, it's like, you don't know who the Rocketeer is? Well, he, I didn't know who Billy Campbell was. And he's like, you know the Rocketeer? And it had been years since, since I had seen the movie. And I was like, oh, him. Okay. <laughs> you know? And you're like, who does he play? Yeah. And he's like, he plays Lincoln. <laughs> okay. And watched it. And I loved it. Like, and, it, and I was like, this is nothing like Bill O'Reilly's book at all. Yeah. Another, another part in the audio commentary... Um, since you made me watch it again, was that um, he does um, Eric. So Eric is really Eric Jenderson really is the person who, who really wrote the whole thing and uh, reached out and did all this research. And even in the, um, in the commentary where I'm expecting him to, you know, to take credit, but he really is reinforcing that pretty much everything that is in the, in killing Lincoln, the, the movie is really backed up with multiple sources that he really did his research that they tried to only put in things that really had credible sources that, you know, and even when there were things that maybe didn't 
had less sources, they really worked and to fine tune the material. And uh, part of what he was saying is that uh, most of what his uh, what he produced was the uh, due to the work of an assassination author by the name of Art Lukes, who uh, lived in Kansas. And uh, Art uh, published a book called uh, John Wilkes Booth Day by Day. Um, and it is just, and I've talked to last time I was on the show, I talked about it. It's one of my favorite like research novels because it traces Booth's life, you know, as much as we can from his birth to his death. And um, Art had a major hand in helping Eric put this all together and in writing it and providing the research. And in the, in the commentary, um, Eric gives um, Art Luke's full you know props for all that. And he said, most of this comes from the research from this gentleman and then also research from other people who have been doing a lot of work. And when he spoke at the conference um, to, you know, a group of real historians, you know, who were, who studied this, um, he said the same thing saying that, you know, he couldn't have produced it using what was actually in killing Lincoln, the book, because there was really nothing there other than just an overview of the assassination with a lot of mistakes and a lot of conspiracy theorists, uh, conspiracy theories, and that he had to reach out to the people who really knew the material and uh, could advise him how to make it better. Wow. Very, yeah, that's really interesting. It's, and it's, it is quite evident that there was a lot of research done. And I know when I watch it with, um, with Jer, like he's not, I mean, he's says he's absorbed through osmosis a lot about Lincoln and the civil war, but there's part, you know, the first time we watched it and there's that part where, um, Lincoln goes and gets into bed next to Seward to talk to him. And, yeah. and Jer was like, did he really do that? And I'm sitting there just smiling. I'm like, this is one of my favorite Lincoln moments. Like, yeah. and it's in the documentary. And I said, yeah, it's, I said, it's mentioned in quite a few different sources that that's what, what happened when he came back um, from his visit to city point with general grant. And it, it's little things like that, that make the documentary really, really well done. Those little touches like that. Oh, yeah, the the attention to detail in in so much mm-hmm. of what he did, and and even just like set design and like and props, because yeah, I watched it a couple times and I was like, all right, now let me look at you know this specific thing, and even down to things where they don't even mention, but you know, in the scene where you know I'm jumping to the end, but the scene when Booth is dying on the on the porch of the Garrett house, that you know they don't actually show the point where the detectives are taking things out of his pockets, but right next to him there is just like a replica of, of his diary and even some of the really small materials, which they don't mention or show anywhere else in it, but they have it, even things that are lost to history. Like we know that Booth had apparently a file and a, with a cork at the end of it in his pocket. Why? We don't know. It's been lost maybe since then, but in the documentary when he's dying, there's next to his diary, like a file and a cork, which clearly, you know, the, the writers and the, the, all the people in charge of props went to a lot of effort to add this really minor thing that no one knows except for crazy people like me. And I'm like, Oh look, it's like an Easter egg. Yeah. I love that stuff too. Like you find little things like when you're a history nerd and into it, like you see the little Easter eggs that you're like, Oh my God, that's like just like the one thing I noticed this last time through it was at the end um, when Booth is in the barn and he's talking mm-hmm. to, to Harold. I had wondered where Harold was the entire time. I couldn't see him. And then I finally looked and he's like crouched down, like knees up to his chest, looking really scared. Yeah. And I said to Jer, I'm like, oh my God, it's Harold. And he said, I've never seen that in, in that before. Um, and the other thing I like too is the mention of Edward Doherty. Of yeah, 60, of course. Yep, Canadian buried in <laughs> Arlington right. National Cemetery. 
that like and just that they mention his name is yeah i mean they don't have time to go into everything but they i mean if you look at the like imdb page it is just a list even though people maybe who say nothing or they say like one line they are given names of the real historical people they were playing even if they do practically nothing at all so there's one lady in one scene who is in the background when it's one of the early scenes where they're just talking about where Booth has been injured. As a, it, They kind of showed how Booth was a very energetic actor. And in one scene, you know, like the year before the assassination, he was sword fighting and he got cut in, in the face. Um, and then when he got back in his dressing room, the other actor felt terrible about accidentally cutting him. It was like, Mr. Booth, I'm so sorry. And he's like, don't worry about it. You know, it made for a great show. You know, everything, you know this is what they paid for. And all of that comes from an account by another actress who was in the room at the time when that conversation happened. And she is there sitting in the background and in the IMDb page, she's that actress wow. is you know credited as Clara Morris, who was the actress who actually wrote about that whole thing. So even that small, you know, that, that very small detail they're adding in there, which is why I think, you know, it can provide so much to just a wide range of viewers. I agree. Nick, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, the detail stuff specifically. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's the, I mean, to me, movie making, uh, because I teach a media class at school, it's all about the details. Uh, a bunch of little mistakes is what leads to bad, poor quality. Um, and you just saw it throughout, even like Tom Hanks, when he's sitting there in that table, sometimes with that different items on there, mm-hmm. like just a little touch of that was appreciated. Um, at least I appreciated it. Um, so Detail definitely is what sets this apart from some of the other stuff that you see that's done quick to put out there. And then the fact that you had the detail plus the quality of a lot of stuff, which was very well done, yeah. um, which I'm sure we'll dive more into as far as the reenactments. I mean, as far as reenactments goes, some of the best quality stuff that we've seen. So, and, yeah, uh, I, I, go ahead. Oh, no, don't finish what you're going to say. No, so I just appreciate all that. Another thing I liked at the very end, maybe my favorite part, was how they use the pictures, I, like the mug shots, I guess. I don't know what mm-hmm. they're technically really called. Um, but I like how they did that. They used a picture of uh, Booth at the inaugural address. I wish they did that a little bit more because there's that point where he has the dream and he's on the boat and he comes out and you know he's looking like at the burned over city. Like, you could just tell that's bad CGI. That stuff drives me crazy. <laughs> I wish they could have just, like, incorporated another picture there or some way to do that a couple more times. Or there was no need to do that, I guess. I think they were trying to go. I think they went too big a couple times like that where it kind of took you out of the moment. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as far as the detail and stuff, it, it was very well done. Um, I guess I got a question for you, Dave. Mm-hmm. How do you feel that they portray John Wilkes Booth? Was he over-dramatized a little? Um, like, at the very beginning, I kind of feel like he comes off as, like, this smooth kind of, like, you know, he's there, he's lighting a cigar on the torch, and he's coming in. I mean, kind of like the, you know, like how some movies you have, like, the villain. You know the villain, but he's kind of cool at the same time. Mm-hmm. I felt like, to me, Booth came off like that a couple times, like almost too suave. Um, I, I don't know how you felt. Obviously, you know more about him than I do. So, um, I, I agree with you that there's times where it's like, okay, we need to dial it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the I, I think the reason that they did that so much is that it was a pretty good 
interpretation of what we consider Booth to have kind of been like in real life, um, especially on the stage. You know, his being overly dramatic, you know, melodramatic, as we would say today, he definitely was that because that was the type of theater that was prominent back then. And he was he was a very passionate star of that. But, you know, from other accounts, too, we kind of have this, you know, that I think Jesse Johnson, who was the one who played um, John Wilkes Booth, he really took that to heart. Um, to try to be a little more melodramatic and it as a modern audience we watch that and we're like wow that's kind of corny like you know it's definitely over the top it's a little uncomfortable you know at first you're just like wow is this a terrible actor who's portraying John Wilkes Booth or is this how terrible an actor John Wilkes Booth was Um, but yeah so there's times where it, it it throws you but I think overall there are a few times where he's a little too extreme but he is trying to portray as much as we can tell what John Wilkes Booth really was like. And he was kind of this over-the-top, very vain, you know, very theatrical man, even when he wasn't on the stage. Okay. Mm, that's Did the, you... Go ahead, Mary. I was going to say, that's the impression I got, too, from... Um, I can't remember the Booth bio I've read, Fortune's Fool? Yep, mm-hmm, yeah, by Terry Alford. I read Alford. that one, and mm-hmm. I just kind of got that, you know, impression that, okay, he he was kind of a drama queen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was not a, not a person you'd really want to. I mean, he was very personable, and people liked being around him. But I don't think I would want to be around him for very long. No, I feel like he'd be great a great reality star today. Like mm-hmm. you know, like you'd watch him, you want to see all the weird stuff he does, but you don't really want to be too close <laughs> to him all the time. Yeah, and that sounds like it fits him because wasn't his brother and his dad more famous than him? Mm-hmm. And then- they were they were famous in different ways, but yeah, later on they definitely. And, and I always, you know, because that's one big thing is there's there's a few books that have been written that, you know, that part of Booth's desire to assassinate Lincoln was to rise um, above his brother and his father. Um, but really, at the time when it happened, Booth and his brother Edwin, Edwin ha- was a few years older, so he did have a few years on the stage and was already being very, very well respected. But Booth, you know, John Wilkes was as well. They were just very different actors. And so John Wilkes was the you know, the swashbuckling villain. And he played those roles uh, amazingly while Edwin was the more, you know, tragic hero. He was Hamlet. You know, he played those roles in a different, more subtle, less melodramatic way. And so at the time they were, they were doing what they were doing. Edwin was had just a few years head start, but they were almost on equal terms and they considered themselves not really rivals, but as, as brothers who were in the same field and were working to achieve the same goal. But then, you know, John Wilkes threw it all away when he, when he shot Lincoln. And after that, Edwin went away from the stage for a time and then came back. And then he had the rest of his life to just build on his fame. So when you look at back at it and you say, well, Edwin was a far more famous and talented actor. Well, yeah, he also, you know, got to live a lot longer compared to John Wilkes Booth, who died at the age of 26. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the one thing that, this is one thing that I like about the documentary is I, f- I thought Jesse Johnson's portrayal of Booth was was very good, but the one thing I like is how he's so arrogant before yeah. the assassination <laughs> and he's got this look of like, I can do whatever the hell I want kind of thing on his face. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as soon as he the assassination happens and the look, like Jesse Johnson is able to change the way his face looks. And there's that part where he's looking in the mirror at Dr. Mudd's place and you see the fear in his eyes. He's on the run now. Yeah. And when he's in the pine thicket and that one line from Tom Hanks where Tom Hanks is like, and John Wilkes Booth reads the worst reviews of his life. <laughs> and just the look yep. on the look on his face. I thought the actor did a great job portraying that. And it makes me wonder if that's kind of like 
you know, Booth obviously had this idea in his mind of how he thought things were going to go. And nothing went that way at all for him. And that is, I thought, like, Jesse Johnson portrayed that so well um, in, in his portrayal of Booth. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought, you know, it, it comes across a little... Yeah, a little strange at times because it's just not what we're used to seeing people acting like it, uh, acting like that. But I think it was very realistic to us as much as we can really know the true assassin. What are you guys' thoughts on Abe Lincoln, the portrayal of him? I really enjoyed it. I thought he I thought Billy Campbell was um, an excellent choice. I think he he played Lincoln without exaggerating him you know you see some portrayals of Lincoln in these documentaries that they seem overly exaggerated or more put on I think but I think Billy Campbell took it and made it his own and he's the same height as Lincoln he's around um, the same age Um, when he played Lincoln I think he was around 53 years old they were able to show Lincoln as not just the president but also as a husband as a as a father as well as as a friend too, and you get to see just briefly the relationship with his cabinet members. And I know the big thing about when someone plays Lincoln is the voice. And I thought that Billy Campbell, um, he did the best with it, what he could. Like he didn't, he didn't try like to make it into something he wasn't. He, um, Billy Campbell actually stars in a Canadian show called Cardinal. And it's my absolute favorite show right now. It's a um, murder mystery show. It's only about six episodes long. And the way he plays Cardinal is very similar to the way he plays Lincoln, like same type of soft-spoken voice. So I really, really enjoyed his portrayal of him. Yeah, I think Billy Campbell had, a. it was really a benefit to him that he, you know, that Daniel Day-Lewis had just kind of paved the way of kind of this new understanding of Lincoln. Cause you're right in like documentaries, usually Lincoln is just a guy who kind of looks like him and he still has that very, like, I'm the president and I'm, the, you know, and I am, blah, blah. it's just, and it's not authentic to who Lincoln, you know, really was. And I think Billy Campbell obviously did a lot of research on his own, but I think he had the benefit too of seeing like, okay, there's Daniel Day-Lewis and that's how he did it. And that was amazing. And he definitely could pick up and learn from that. And I think it was to his benefit. And I think he gave a very natural, you know, portrayal of Lincoln, which is sometimes very much lacking in documentaries about Lincoln. I agree with the performance. I felt like he was a little GQ'd up. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like, there's a, like there's one yeah. point where he's like sitting at the table and his hair is kind of all nice. He's got yeah. kind of the nice, you know, trim on the beard. And I'm like, it's like GQ got a hold of this show. <laughs> Wait a second. We're going to make Abraham look a little bit better. <laughs> we got a sexy up Lincoln. People. Yeah, I, I thought he was a very, and like, I mean, I was like, oh, he's a sexy Lincoln. <laughs> he definitely is a sexy Lincoln in this. So if you have not seen us, the sexy Lincoln is your thing. You're probably going to want to watch this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's. I the, felt kind of like everybody was GQ'd up a little, a they, little too. They were. But I guess that's what happens when you got a budget and you can do some production value stuff. Um, I thought they handled the assassination scene very well. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that can go wrong easily. I thought they did it, you know, obviously very accurately. I think they did it classy. I think it came off very well. I, you know, I, Lincoln, they didn't even try to do it in the Spielberg one. 
right. um, and probably rightfully so. Right. And, and that had to be a tricky, stressful thing. Probably the most important thing you got to get done where it doesn't come off like corny or insensitive or, you know, that, that had to be stressful. I think they did a fantastic job. Um, what are your thoughts, Dave, on that? Um, one of uh, probably my favorite part in the whole documentary isn't actually the uh, – them showing the assassination, but later when they're, you know, it happened and Lincoln has been taken to the Peterson house and they are interviewing witnesses. At that point, they kind of flash back to the assassination where they have three different witnesses who are sitting there and they're being interviewed and they are giving their accounts of what Booth did really right after the shot and his jump from the box to the stage, what he said on stage, his escape um, back the back door of Ford's theater. And what I think they did better and, um, is a great service to history is that they had each one of these eyewitnesses giving a slightly different account because that's exactly what happened. And Tom Hanks, you know, they wrote him great lines saying that history is just, you know, agreed upon, you know, not lies, but that we can't know anything for certainty. And so you have these three, you know, real figures in history who, who they gave, pretty much exactly what the real people said. And they're all different in some way what Booth said, if he said anything, you know, where he was facing, what he did with the knife. And so I thought that that's one of the best ways to portray it because, you know, when I, and I tell people, the more you study this stuff, the less you actually know for sure. Like the people who think I'm an expert on Lincoln, I know everything about him. I'm like, okay, so you clearly don't know anything because the more you research, the more you know there's uncertainty and you have to, every time you explain something, you have to also explain, but we only know that because of this. And so I thought the documentary was very honest and um, showing the uncertainty in even those few seconds right after Lincoln was shot because really we don't know because of the conflicting accounts. Yeah, they do that when he dies, too, when Lincoln dies, too. And yes, like said, so, and now he belongs to the ages. And then Tom, and then Tom Hanks, Hanks is like, yep, angels. And then he explains that the guy couldn't write it down in time, which right. I thought was really interesting, too. Yeah, no, I that sounds awesome and great. Another thing I liked is the story, which I had no idea about the guy who they needed to do shorthand, yeah, the Tanner. double amputee. That, like, that came across, I'm like, man, that's a fascinating story. Just that guy alone, you could do a whole, like, just, you know. There's a book on him if you want yeah. to read it. Yeah. <laughs> I have it here somewhere. So that just got me interested. Just, like, something like that stood out to me. I really like that little bit that was added in there. You know, it just gives you another complex thing, you know, the fact that you had this guy who's there going to be for Lincoln's last moments or getting the count of basically Lincoln's last moments who suffered, you know, about as bad a tragedy as you can without dying in the Civil War himself, mm-hmm. so. No, and that's the that whole thing with how they show, how they portray Stanton as holding together everything in that I thought was really well done. I really enjoyed the actor who played Stanton. I thought he was like he looks just like him, and um, just to see how he rallied things together right after the assassination to get the accounts down was was very very interesting. And like you raise a good point too, Nick. Um, you know, the, the WMPT who, who had to do the shorthand. Like, there's so much in this documentary that you can go down all these different little, like, rabbit holes and learn new stuff. Like, even if you have been studying Lincoln like we have for a very, very long time, you're still going to come away from it, I think, having learned something or wanting to go learn more about something else. So I think it's a documentary, not just for people um, like my husband who are just like, you know, say, says he's absorbed through osmosis, you know, all that <laughs> I've told him, but he doesn't know as much. Um, so very general audiences to those of us that, that know a lot, but, 
you still come away having learned something from it and maybe finding out something new. Definitely. I think that, and that's why when I watched it again, it's been a couple of years. I was like, wow, I can't believe they actually included that, you know, that small thing that I didn't pick up on when I watched it the first few times. And, you know, the, and I got it right. And I think that really is credit to Eric Jenderson, who he wrote it and just the way that he conducted his research. It wasn't just slapdash. It wasn't like, hey, this is going to be on Nat Geo, but we're going to put, you know, Bill O'Reilly's name on it. And that's all we have to worry about. But, um, they, he went and found the true source material that you know would do credit to the history. Obviously, and I think, you know, go ahead. Well, go. Just finishing up, then I think also it was helpful that at the time they didn't have plans to make any more. You know, it was just it wasn't like some documentaries are just like, oh, we're doing an episode on this. You know, um, but it was this was going to be a standalone, and as Mary said at the onset, that it was Nat Geo's highest um, rated show ever up until then. They, they made Killing Kennedy. You know, and I'm not sure about the process on how much of that is based on Bill O'Reilly's book. Obviously, they use the name and they said it's connected to him. That is I'm, my understanding is Natio. The top two things they've ever had were killing Kennedy surpassed killing Lincoln. But otherwise, you know, that was the first one. And they were really just focused on making one really good docudrama. So do you think this is the way to go as opposed for getting people interested as opposed to the Ken Burns method, you know? Uh, for people who have a watch, basically, it's a lot of reenactment with Tom Hanks, like who would have been traditionally be your historian interviews, but he has written narration lines and he kind of guides us through it. Um, does this work better in your guys' opinion than a Ken Burns documentary? Is this the way of the future? Mary? <laughs> I, I think it dep- I I think in some ways, yes, because you get to know the the historical figures a little bit better um, when you see them portrayed. Um, it's not just somebody talking about them. You know, you're seeing Lincoln go through um, things he did in history, like like visiting Richmond, and they really um, talk about how important that visit was. Um, I think Tom Hanks said it was like the first time, you know, visiting president. He's at a like city that's fallen. Um, and just how you can get to know the figures, you know, not only do you get to know Lincoln, you get to know Booth as well. And I think the one thing that Tom Hanks mentions at the the beginning, which my husband really liked, is that Booth had been reduced to like a two-dimensional figure, like just basically a monster. And um, it's giving, you know, it's showing him as well and what he did leading up to the assassination. And you also get to know, see some of the conspirators and all that. So I think that something like that might work a bit better for a more general audience to get their interest in it peaked. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Mary. My only worry is it can also be done very poorly. Mm-hmm. So okay. like, like this, I think works because you had a team behind it that were very detail oriented and wanted the history and cared about the project. Um, if you don't have that, if you have people just like, this is a production, this is my job, we're going to, you know, we'll just look at the book, put it together, there it is. I think this could be terrible exactly. because then you're overly relying on actors to tell the story and the history and you can be easily laughed at. Exactly. And the one example that I can think of most recently is, um, I, can't, I think it was American Heroes Channel. I don't know what it's called. But anyway, another Bill, it was a Bill O'Reilly show called Legends and Lies of the Civil War or something oh, like yeah. that. And my parents recorded every single episode for me, and I was the dutiful daughter and went over and watched it with me. And then one night I go over there, and my mom's like, well, we got the Sherman episode for you. And I'm like, oh, 
<laughs> you know, and I'm I'm sitting through it, and there's this one part where they show Sherman going into a woman's house and threatening to kill her, and my mom just was like, "That's not Did very, he do that? very nice. Did he do that, Mary?" And I'm like, "I'm like, no, I'm like, no, 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 like that." I and. It's and that's an but example. everyone who watched it now walks now, away we'll with that, that opinion and, of Sherman. And yeah. there was other things about it too that, as I was watching it, I was like, "Oh, this is like not how it it should be done." And I did actually think of Killing Link and thinking that's you know it, it's a good one. But yeah, that that's the one example I can think of that if it's not done right, then you're going to have people that are seeing something that isn't like. You know, it's not the right portrayal of it. Um, so, yeah, you have to walk that fine line and you have to get the people that are doing the research and doing enough of it to know that what they are showing is and going to show people is accurate. I was just thinking here as you're talking, you know, I think for like us history nerds and stuff, like the Holy Grail is always going to be like the primary documents or an artifacts. But, you know, a a lot of times these movies or documentaries that come out, you know, it's to drive that casual historian into it, hopefully to dive deeper. Does this Killing Lincoln do a better job of that? Or does a Spielberg Lincoln do a better job of that? Or are they hitting a different audience? I think they're hitting a different audience with Lincoln. I think someone could, could still watch the movie Lincoln and want to come away from it and know, want to know more about the... Um, like the 13th Amendment and a little bit more about Lincoln's presidency, like his maybe his relationship with his cabinet. But I think something like Killing Lincoln, you're able to draw more people in because I think there's that, it's the assassination. So I think more people are drawn into it because of that, because he was killed. But you still, I think, come away from it like, oh, Lincoln visited Richmond. I want to learn more about that. So then you go and you find Noah Andre Trudeau's book called 16 Days, which is about, you know, Lincoln's 16 days at, at City Point, And it talks about the visit to Richmond. I think with Killing Lincoln, there's more ways to pull a person into um, finding different areas that they might be interested in. Yeah, I, I agree. I kind of feel that Killing Lincoln is, you know, it, it's a spectrum where we have, you know, really traditional documentary. You know, I think of really Ken Burns, even though it's a little more stylized, but definitely just like documentary. Here are facts. Here are pictures. Here are, you know, a talking heads, blah, 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 blah. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where is Lincoln, where it's very just cinema. We're going to we're going to say the history and be as close to it as we can. But it's more about portraying, you know, the man and, and the life, you know, just the more the you know, I don't know, just like it's more cinematic. And I feel like Killing Lincoln is doing a good job of trying to balance both where, OK, we don't have the talking heads of the documentary, but we're making it more cinematic to bring viewers in for, you know, they wanted, you know, Nat Geo. Yeah, they're an educational channel, but still it's you, know, you want viewers. How are you going to find that? And I think this was a well-made thing right in between them that that, yeah, it's not the same audience as is going to go to a theater and watch an entire movie about Abraham Lincoln. It's more convenient to be able to watch, you know, hour and a half thing on my couch at home that has part of that and also the history buffs who want to learn it. So I think it's kind of in the balance and it's on a spectrum of how cinematic do we make it. And I, that's why I think it's a nice, a nice balance. What do you think? Yeah. Nick? Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think a lot of times the problem with the movies, I don't think it really generates as much interest as we would like to think from a history point of view, because I think people go to a movie theater and they just accept that this is a two hour 
window, and then the windows close. Where I think the killing Lincoln leaves a window open or leads you down the hallway or a door. You know, for example, we're talking about the the double amputee. You know, the guy doing the shorthand. You know, that that's an avenue that maybe I'll go down and find out about. Um, whereas Lincoln, I don't know if you got that. I think sometimes movies do a nice job of taking maybe a smaller individual and highlighting it where people wouldn't have known. But a lot of times when we take these big elements like a Lincoln, it just leads to a person going there and joining it for the two hours. It doesn't lead any to any additional research, in my opinion. Um, I, I love the doc, the doc dramas, um, but I think they're hard to pull off. I mean, you got to have the right budget to do it. And I think it's hard to get a good budget. <laughs> Uh, there's one on Netflix that it has nothing to do with this, but Wormwood, it's fantastic. Um, it's worth going to see. It's about like the CIA and their experimentation with LSD and stuff. It's a series, but that and this, are, this is probably the best I've seen it pulled off. And um, so I think to do it right, you need the funding, but I worry about people able to get the funding, um, especially if they don't have the passion you know, to maybe take the risk and, you know, take the pay cuts. I mean, you got Ridley Scott, Tony Scott, you know, those are two big Hollywood names that were tied to this, which helps get money. Mm-hmm. So if the three of us want to do a rail splitter version <laughs> of something, I don't think we're getting the funding. I don't think we'll get not- our cops and we'll go on the, <laughs> on the streets and start shaking them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, docudrama is not going to be the genre we go for. No, um, right. So PowerPoint documentary. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So um, it's just something I was thinking about. No, it's a, that's a really good point. And it's something like I was thinking about something very similar when I was watching it on Saturday night. And I was thinking like, wow, like, you know, I, it was because of that documentary that I went and found out who Edward Doherty was. And I went, found out he's a Canadian. I had no idea about that. And, you know, I've mentioned it um, a few times on my Twitter account that, hey, there were Canadians who fought in the Civil War and here's one of them, Edward Doherty. And I was able to learn a little bit more about him, but you know, I, it's interesting when you watch it with somebody or like, we're, like we're discussing it now, it's interesting to see what people pull away from it and what they want to go learn more about. Um, and that's what I think makes it such a great docudrama um, about the assassination. Cause it's not, that makes it not just about the assassination. People are going away and learning more than just that. And I think it's a very nice balance um, of, of assassination and, and Lincoln because, mm-hmm. when, you know, traditionally, you know, when, we, when I see documentaries that are about, okay, this is going to be about the assassination of Lincoln, they usually go too much to one or the other where it's very much like, okay, it's about the assassination of Lincoln, but it's really about Lincoln because he's the guy and of course, or there's the other ones who are like, okay, but it's more all about Booth. I thought that Killing Lincoln is a very nice blend Um where they really focus on both characters. We see what they're doing leading up to the assassination. And, you know, my, my only critique is it because I'm, you know, the assassination guy is that I don't think that they made any big mistakes. It's only just omission because there's so much in, you know, I do a 12 hour bus tour of Booth's escape route. So I'm used to talking about just the escape route for that amount of time. And so when it comes to the very end, when they're talking about, you know, Booth's escape, they have to cut out a lot. Um, but they do a nice way of just, they don't say anything inaccurately. They're just like, okay, he went from here to Dr. Mudd's and we see a brief scene of Dr. Mudd's. He went to another house and then we kind of fast forward to where, you know, where he dies. Um, 
And, you know, part of me is like, no, but I want to see this and this interaction and whatever. But they did a good job because otherwise it can get so heavy handed and too bogged down in one end or the other that it doesn't feel equal. But I really thought that they did a, a really nice job of, you know, balancing out Booth and Lincoln when they both were alive. And then even after Lincoln is dead, the amount of time they give to Booth's escape and death, I think, is adequate without seeming like, oh, it's, this is a this is actually a documentary all about Booth's escape, which would be something completely different. So this leads to a question I wanted to ask you. If you got into that editing room before it went out and you had some final say, what would be maybe one or two things that you definitely think should have been added in or taken out or whatever changed? I mean, I don't know how much time they could have given it, but they really don't speak at all about the kidnapping plot that led up to the assassination. You know, and I know they don't have time for it, and that's not what they're focusing on. But because they can't really go into and explaining that Booth was actually plotting to kidnap Lincoln starting in summer of 1864, and he'd already taken this, these steps, they can only say a line about it, and they're like, and that's why he has these guys. But in the very end, when they're doing that whole mugshot thing that you enjoy so much, Nick, to, like two of the pictures they bring in are for people who were not in this thing at all because they were part of that kidnapping plot. And I think one of the most egregious omissions is that there is absolutely nothing in there about Mary Surratt, who is such, you know, we talked about the conspirator when I was on last time and her story is very compelling. And obviously they made a whole film essentially about her, but the fact that she is only mentioned as being like the mother of one of Booth's cohorts and that they stopped at her tavern, you know, on the, on the escape. My only thing is like, they don't even show her picture or they maybe say her name once in the whole thing, which I feel is, I understand you only have so much time, but she, people know her, and, you know, the fact that they kind of were like, eh, we don't need to worry about it because people have seen or heard of the conspirator. I feel like that was the only part where I feel like, OK, you need to add something, something about her. Yeah, yeah that, I agree. I agree, too. I think the one line they said it at that. She's the first lady executed. In and if it was me, I'd be like, and who is she? Like, yeah, yeah that's if you don't what? know. You're like, why did they just hang this random lady? Yeah, that that was the one thing that I came. And I said that to uh to Jer on Saturday night, I said, they just, they don't discuss Mary Surratt. Like they, you know, she's mentioned a couple of times, but I wonder if they didn't just didn't want to go down that road because they had 90 minutes and that was it. And I think they hit, as you said, there's nothing inaccurate. They, they told it like it was, um, but they just, there was those omissions. And I think some of them might be, you know, maybe due to, if it was something they thought was controversial or it's like we got 90 minutes and we just got to hit, you know, the basics with this. Absolutely. But at the same time, giving a compelling story and giving it really a lot of detail. So, you know, I don't fault them for it because, you know, it's, it's a decision that you have to make when you have a limited, limited amount of time and, you know, how much you can't devote a lot to explaining Mary Surratt. Um, so that's why even without Mary being in it, I kind of look at it and like, and we're just going to forget about her. I still think it's extremely well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see what the original cut of the movie was and, like, what got – did make the final round. It'd be interesting hmm. to see, like – because when it comes to Eddie, man, you maybe have the Mary Surratt story, but then you realize you take out a couple points of it. It's might as well might as well get rid of it all because we're not doing it just – you know, there's right. so many different moving parts that rely on each other. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what that final cut was and if they filmed anything. Maybe they didn't, though, either, so. Yeah. Well, Mary, how many times have you seen um, uh, just the movie Lincoln with Daniel Day-Lewis? How many times do you think you've seen that? <laughs> 10, 15. Okay, so I got a quiz for you. There is one actor 
who is in both Lincoln and Killing Lincoln. Can you remember? Or They play different roles, obviously. Um, but there's one actor, and I know, and honestly, it's been a while since I've seen regular Lincoln, so I can't even remember how big this guy's role is. Spoiler alert, it's a guy. Um, but there's one actor who's in both. I'm thinking it's one of the cabinet members. Um, no, not a cabinet member. But you're not far. Well, one of the, I believe he's a representative, and I think he's a fictional representative in Lincoln. He plays a guy from Missouri. Yeah. I think is Beanpole Burton. Yes. <laughs> who do, who's this? What is the, who does that actor play in Killing Lincoln? He plays Dr. Mudd, doesn't he? He does. He is Dr. I Mudd. I recognized him. <laughs> and he has the most amazing name ever. The actor's name is Raynor Shine. Are you serious? I'm serious. Google him. His first name is Raynor, and his last name is Shine. And he plays Dr. Mudd in Killing Lincoln, and he plays Beanpole Burton in Lincoln. And I'm just like, that's the best name ever. I thought, like, when I, was, when I was watching it the other night, like, you don't really see Mudd's face too much, but I'm Not like, much, no. why does the look familiar to like, something about him? But yeah, I, I was looking because I, I remember looking at his name. I was like, well, that's a unique name. And then I clicked it on IMDb. I'm like, oh, he's in Lincoln, too. I was like, oh, yeah. I'll ask him about that's that. That's funny. Dude, you know, I hated the Grant casting. Really? I, how come? I just didn't like how he looked. That's okay. the only reason. I mean, he's a really small part. I feel like it just didn't look. I don't know. What do you think of the casting of Grant, Mary? Uh, like, I thought it was okay. Like, I think he's... He's one of the more well-known Grant portrayers, I think. But yeah, he there was something about him that I don't know wasn't. I'm like that. It's like there's other ones that might have been a little bit better. I think. Like I saw him, I was like, ugh. That was my first thought. Like, <laughs> ah. Well, I'm, I'm not the Grant aficionado. The rest of you are because I looked at him. I'm like, hey, that's a pretty good Grant. <laughs> but you know, meanwhile, I'm looking at Jesse Johnson. I'm like, okay, that was good, but his nose isn't quite right. So you know, I'll let, I'll let <laughs> you be like, uh, about Grant. So and then uh, Robert Todd bugged me a little bit, but not too much. Yeah, he, he was very brief. Yeah. So, but the, I mean, those guys had what very few lines, if any. Well, they both had a few lines, but yeah. So. No, I mean, I think it was an ambitious project, and I think for the most part, they definitely pulled it out. I think, so like, does Tom Hanks really need another payday? I mean, we could give that to a energetic historian like a, like a Dave. You oh, know, no. you could have done that, man. Or, I, I think it worked because they got Tom Hanks, even though my only critique, yeah. and I don't understand, is that Tom Hanks couldn't shave. I mean, his... He yeah. had, like, I noticed that. I'm like, he's got the, the five o'clock shadow going on. Yeah. Tom Hanks, it's just like a day shoot, just shave. I mean, I, I don't know. That was my only thing. I was like, why is he trying to be like, I'm rugged, Tom Hanks? No, you're not, Tom Hanks. But do you guys know the connection to Abraham Lincoln and Tom Hanks? Yeah, is any like. Last name sounds like it's connected to. He's distantly Nancy. related to Nancy Hanks Lincoln. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And that might be why they asked him to. to I think um, Eric knew. Tom Hanks from Band of Band Brothers. Of Brothers. Yeah. yeah, he was just like, "Hey, Tom, I'm doing this other thing. You're going to come and do it for me." Oh, Tom, I think Tom Hanks likes doing stuff like that. That's true. Like, he does have he does have historical interest. Yeah, and he's got an amazing voice for narrating it. Like that's one of the reasons I enjoyed it was the narration was so good. It's Tom it really Hanks. Was. How could it not be? Yeah. I think there's a hidden treasure out there in the history field. Tom Hanks, Hanks doesn't need Tom Hanks doesn't need any more paydays. <laughs> but it gets people to watch it because you know. No, you, I understand that part. 
That's right. You get Tom Hanks to do your uh, documentary. More people want to watch it. No, I understand that, but I ain't get Tom Hanks anytime soon to do anything. <laughs> Maybe we get Tom Hanks on the show. Yeah, we should. <laughs> In any way possible. Yes. Um, so just to kind of start wrapping up, so just overall views. So um, quickly, uh, the two of you, well, not quickly, however long it takes, but um, what, um, well, maybe not hours, but um, what is your overall impression of this? And I'm guessing you both would recommend it as something for people to watch, uh, whether they're interested in the assassination or not. Nick, you go first. All right. Yeah, this was my first viewing of it today. So um, I think it was definitely an ambitious project. And I think for the most part, they pulled it off. I mean, we've been spending a lot of time talking about the challenges of doing a docudrama. Um, like I said, I, I think a couple times, I think they went a little too big. And what I mean by that is from a production standpoint with like the CGI moments where they try to go with these wide shots, which I didn't think you needed to because I think a lot of their medium shots, the set or wherever they were looked great. Um, I kind of felt at times the acting was a little over-dramatized. Um, but, you know, we talked about that, and I definitely see the point, you know, talking about kind of the way uh, Booth was a little GQ'd up. But outside of that, I mean, it is compelling. It keeps your interest. I think it gives you definitely for somebody who doesn't know a lot about it, it serves you well for us. And, you know, it's definitely – and you spoke to this many times, Dave um, – for people who do know a lot, you got those Easter eggs, you got that stuff to keep you engaged um, and interesting. So as far as historical entertainment piece goes, I, I think they did it well. And I would definitely recommend it to our viewers to go seek it out, watch it. Um, I got it off Amazon Prime today, rented it. I mean, it's like $4 uh, to rent. I know you guys got the Blu-ray and DVDs. So um, definitely, it's if you're a Lincoln fan, I think it's a must-see, personally. Yeah, I agree. I think my only thing is don't be scared by the name Bill O'Reilly on it. I mean, it on this, you know, on the Blu-ray, I did watch, you know, there there was a brief thing where it was like interview with Bill O'Reilly, whatever. It was clearly something he did on his show where he's talking about the book, essentially. And then they're interspersing scenes from the movie. And it's funny because what he is saying about you know, his research on the book and you know things that they did, none of it translates to what they ended up doing. So on his show, in this little interview, he's talking about how, you know, they how about the suspicion about the missing pages from Boots diary, you know, and that maybe secretary Stanton had something to do with these pages being missing and how he wished he knew where they were. Of course, they don't put any of that in killing Lincoln because that's not pertinent to what they're doing. And it just throws unnecessary shade on Stanton who was completely innocent of anything. So it's funny that even in like the bonus features of this documentary, when they're like, Oh, and here's an interview with Bill O'Reilly, it's showing how little they took, from his book. And so people who I don't want anyone to be scared of it because it's got his name on the side of it. Don't ever read the book. That's just trash. No, don't. I read the book. Don't do it. But watch the movie because it's a completely different thing altogether and really does the story of the assassination of Lincoln in the best ways that I've seen on film. And what I saw doing research on the movie is part of the reputation of the movie is that it cleans up all the mistakes the book made. So that's like what the movie is kind of known for amongst people. So, um, yeah, definitely don't let Bill O'Reilly's guy hack. We could do a whole show on just like how famous people attached their name to Lincoln in civil war. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I completely agree with what both of you have said. Yeah. First of all, don't be scared by the name Bill O'Reilly. Cause he does next to nothing to do, nothing with, to do with it. it. 
Um, it's a great thing to just, if you've got somebody who's kind of interested in the assassination, it is a great way. It's like kind of a gateway for them to yeah. maybe look at other things. Cause it's not just about the assassination, but you're come away from it. Like, Oh, I want to learn more about what happened in Richmond or whatever. So yeah, it is my favorite docudrama about the assassination. It's very, very well done. Um, so last thing, each of you, what was your favorite part? Uh, well i already said that one of probably my favorite part only because of of the way it portrays the the historical accuracy of not knowing what really happened so i I really like that and actually um i do like the part of when uh they are in richmond so it has nothing to do with booth but when um especially when lincoln and tad are sitting in jefferson davis's chair and just that little interaction where he's like tad this is where mr davis ran his war and i'm like i really i really like that that whole scene with the housekeeper and everything like that so it's just one of those small things that's something that i'm not as knowledgeable about but it's something i'm just like that seemed so authentic to like that's how i picture lincoln like that's he's sitting in jefferson davis chair no big deal and he's like with the sun on his lap and being like this is where it happened son and he just that's i really enjoyed that scene I liked it. Oh, no, that's not true. I think when he gets in bed with uh, William Seward or Seward, Seward. Uh, Seward. for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I like that scene. I, I think it does, you know, just including that little detail there that we talked about kind of shows, kind of humanizes the whole moment. And then, like, he grabs his hand after he's telling him how he sat in Jefferson Davis uh, office and stuff and telling him, like, basically the war is over, uh, you know, for the most part. So. I, I really enjoyed that scene. And I liked the few times that they incorporated the pictures. I, I think that was well done. Very eerie at the end. You kind of had that, like, the names would pop up. And you kind of had, I don't even know what kind of sound it was. Uh, but I, I thought that was well done and kind of left you with kind of that chill um, at the end, which is kind of what the event is. Yeah, Actually, Nick, my scene is the same as yours when he's um, with with Seward. I really enjoyed that. Just like that was what, when I watched it for the first time, that was what really, I was like, this is an awesome documentary because that is one of my favorite Lincoln moments because it's just him as a, not just going to visit, you know, a member of his cabinet, he's going to visit his friend. And I think it shows the friendship. I think it's, as you said, very like humanizing for Lincoln and, it's re- it's what sets this docudrama, I think, apart from others that have been done about it, too, um, just to see that kind of side of it. Agreed. I like how we're like, don't be scared of Bill O'Reilly. Don't we have like more listeners than Bill O'Reilly does now? Probably. <laughs> we are more famous than Bill O'Reilly. If anything, we're helping out his name because of this. We should just have referred to him as he, he who must not be named. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so we are going to do one of our weekly features this week as, um, and Dave is going to hopefully provide us with our Lincoln Lincoln. Um, yeah. So because it, we're talking about killing Lincoln and last time I was on, or when I did one of the killing Lincolns or killing Lincolns, ah, one of the, this weekend Lincolns, um, it was, uh, from a comic book, which had the roles reversed where there was president, uh, John Wilkes Booth was assassinated by the actor Abraham Lincoln. And so uh, since I knew Jeremy wasn't on this show and he's not biggest fan about some uh, assassination related stuff, I was like, well, I'm going to flip it. And this time it's going to be kind of this week in Lincoln and also a little bit in Booth. Um, 
two years ago, uh, in 2017, my now wife and I, we went on a little road trip visiting different um, sites where we, were, we went to you know Springfield and we went all around. We called it our Boothy road trip because we were visiting a lot of graves and things like that. And we actually made our way all the way to a small little town called Granbury, Texas. And um, the only reason we went there, it was on our way to Austin. And uh, we stopped there because there's part of the whole conspiracy theory about Booth not dying is that he supposedly survived and then escaped and lived on the rest of his life until he committed suicide in Oklahoma. And apparently when he was on the run and, you know, no one was chasing him anymore, he, he lived in Granbury for a time and he was a saloon keeper there under the name John St. Helen. It's all a bunch of crap, but that's the story. And it's very, very much ingrained in the local legend there. And so they have this very old building that they said was John St. Helen's Tavern. So this was Booth's Tavern that he apparently worked in. And today it's a small little like eatery and inside so it's like it's a breakfast and it's a lunch little thing it's called the nutshell eatery and on the wall they have a mural and in the mural there is a slightly older john wilkes booth with a cane and he's standing there next to what looks like doors to an old saloon and then next to him on this mural wall is a painted portrait of lincoln hanging there so apparently when booth you know escaped his own death and went to granbury in his saloon he put a nice painting of lincoln right next to himself and so i will send you a picture that you can see it and the other connection is that at this place is probably the only place in the world where you can order the john wilkes booth burger and i ate it and it's got you know it's a nice hamburger with cheese and um and uh bacon bits on top because apparently booth was a bit of a ham and uh <laughs> but it was very good and i thought it's probably the only place in the world where you can get a john wilkes booth burger um and a big mural with booth and lincoln just hanging out right underneath your table that was so that's good. my best week in Lincoln. That was a good one. <laughs> that's gonna make Jeremy mad because first of all, there's a John Wilkes Booth uh, burger, and he's a vegetarian, so <laughs> oh, uh, so he's gonna tricks. be yeah, he's gonna be really upset when he listens to this. He's I don't understand another one star rating. <laughs> oh, it was him. It was yeah. him. Well, and it's funny. I don't understand their naming for burgers because then one of the other ones on the menu was the Hinden Burger. Oh, that's but bad. again, it ha- but it has absolutely nothing to do with the Hindenburg because it's in Texas. So I'm not sure why they put that. So they're just like, you know what? We're just going to dig into it. All the slightly offensive, probably not uh, very uh, appropriate names for food, but it's what they're known for. Apparently, they do that. The Blue and the Gray Pub in Gettysburg. They have burgers named after uh, Confederate generals and Union generals. Nice. I mean, my favorite's the Buford. <laughs> <That's> what <laughs> the Sherman's not very good. They don't have Sherman on there. I was oh. going to like complain about that the last time, but then um, my friend was like, Sherman wasn't at Gettysburg. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, it like, doesn't matter. I'm like, doesn't matter. He should have a burger. Um, no, but I, at, and at the blue and the gray, uh, Jeremy would like it there because you can get a vegetarian patty. And that's what I did with the junk. So if they had a McClellan burger, would you just never get it? Never. No. <laughs> and, and the Sickles burger has gaps in it when they bring it out. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be first the oh, patty yeah. comes out and then the bun and then the fries. You guys are bad. <laughs> yeah. Bad jokes. But uh, uh anyway, so um I think that's it for the show tonight. Dave, thank you for joining us. Um thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, we really um we really enjoyed the conversation and hopefully a few more people will go and watch Killing Lincoln now that they won't be scared anymore by seeing bill o'reilly's name on on it or attached to it um it's very very good to have you on again so um any parting thoughts either of you 
No, thanks, Dave, for being on. You're always great. So enjoy having you as a guest, man. Well, now that you've gotten rid of Jeremy for good, I guess I'll be back next week. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Jeremy. <laughs> All the love and respect. You are a real splitter Dave now because you've been on three times. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> makes you a veteran. Um, oh, thank you. So anyway, we will hopefully be back next week with another episode. So until then, keep walking the world with malice towards none and with charity for all. And we will see you all again soon.